Good morning, everyone. It's that time of the year. A little boy uh, ha- was getting ready for, well, the last, last, really last weeks before Christmas, and Grandpa and Grandma were staying with them, and uh, Mom was tucking little Johnny into bed, and Johnny's grandma thought, well, she'd come along and, and just be part of the process, and she didn't get to do that too often. And so little Johnny's kneeling down and praying and saying, Dear God, bless Mommy and Daddy, and bless Grandpa and Grandma, and thank you for your goodness to us. He's waxing eloquent now, and Grandma's got a tear in her, in her cheek and just a real little cherub. And then suddenly in a loud voice, he says, And God, don't forget to bring me a bicycle. And the mother looks at little Johnny and says, Johnny, God's not deaf. You don't need to pray that loud. He says, I know, but Grandma is. (laughs) So it's that time of the year. We know know in here that Christmas is not about Christmas presents, toys, gifts, bicycles, etc. We know that ultimately Christmas is about the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we talked last week about what that feels like. What, how do you know that you're, that you're enjoying the presence of God? And we, say that, we said that there were just a, a few uh, real strong indicators that, yeah, you're, you're enjoying his presence. And we said that, that there was peace in your heart, a sense of contentment. You don't need to say, and don't forget to get me a bicycle because you've got contentment in your heart. You just feel so peaceful, so calm. And you've got a sense of joy in your heart. You're that one that's got a smile on your face when you're going through the mall, when everybody else is, is elbowing their way through because there's so much to do in celebration of the birth of Jesus. Get out of my way. You know what I'm talking about. And then that overwhelming sense of the love of God. That sense that, yeah, you belong to God. There's no guilt in your heart. There's no shame in your heart. That you know that God loves you, and you love God, and you love the people around you. That's, friends, how you know that you are enjoying the presence of God. But what if you're not enjoying that presence? Because last week we said that Jesus Christ reveals himself as Emmanuel. He's our Savior, but he's Emmanuel, which means God with us. We know that he's called God with us. We know he's called Emmanuel. But but what happens when we don't feel that? Because I know that everyone in this room has at times, and maybe even this morning, felt that God is not near. You're not enjoying his presence. You don't have joy in your heart. You you feel unhappy. You, You don't have peace. You feel that maybe God has forgotten about you, that God's not answering prayers anymore, that God has forsaken you, that you feel alone. Well, folks, I want you to know that there is a group of people mentioned in the Scriptures who would have been just like that. They would have really questioned whether or not God actually did care about them. And we find them in Luke chapter 2. And this group of people are called the shepherds. Has anybody ever heard of the shepherds? You know, in every single Christmas pageant, there are always shepherds. And they're usually wearing their mother's tea towel around their head and an old kimono or something like that, or an old sheet. Well, these are real shepherds. 
And so let me just read this to you because it's really quite wonderful. And it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. And by the way, that night that we're talking about is in fact Christmas, the day that Jesus was born. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel assured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring joy to all people. The presence of God brings joy. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by these signs. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And then suddenly the angels, or the angel was joined by a vast host of other angels, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. He's the Messiah. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. These shepherds were very likely tending the flocks that belonged to the priests. Now, if you don't know Israel's history, that's fine. I'm going to just give you a quick little lesson. Part of Jewish worship at this time was that little lambs, perfect lambs, had to be sacrificed to atone for people's sin. And so these were the shepherds that tended these flocks that provided sheep or little lambs for sacrifice for part of the Jewish worship. Now the thing about these shepherds is that they could not maintain the ceremonial cleanliness laws. They were not able to wash their hands. They were not able to make themselves clean in order to go and worship. And so amongst all the people in Jerusalem, these were about the only ones that really couldn't worship like everybody else could worship because, quite frankly, they stunk and they couldn't wash their hands or their feet. They could not be clean. And that was part of Jewish worship. You had to clean yourself. You had to be clean in order to go into the presence of God. Because why? Well, God's a holy God and nothing could defile his presence. Now, it's interesting. These shepherds who are considered the very lowest of the low, 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 low. There's nobody lower than the shepherds. In fact, you could smell them coming. And they would be the the butt of many jokes. They were, quite frankly, despised by all. Now, it's interesting, folks, isn't it? That God would send the heavenly hosts, the angels of heaven, would send the angels of heaven to the lowly shepherd, the ones that everybody despised, the only ones really who were not religious in any way. Does that mean they didn't love God? No, I'm not saying that at all. 
I'm sure they love God. In fact, I have this feeling that they felt a sense of despair and loneliness, that they were the only ones that were not allowed into the presence of God. They were the only ones that couldn't enjoy God. I'm sure that that was more disturbing to them than the fact that they were shunned by their own countrymen. The fact that they could not enjoy the presence of God. Now, I want you to recognize something, folks. This is a significant moment in Israel's history. Because the only time when we see the angel host appearing to anybody is to Jacob. And you may remember the story of Jacob's ladder when Jacob had that dream and saw the angels ascending and descending on that ladder between him and heaven. And it's another one of those moments, a divine moment when God meets with the lowest of the low, a people insecure, a people not sure that God really loves them or care about them. And that might be you today. You say, God, look at my situation. Do you really care? Are you anywhere around? Do you know my situation? And I'm telling you today that the answer is yes, God knows your situation. And God loves you. And although you may feel that you're despised, God doesn't despise you. He loves you. Oh. <laughs> As I read the story, every time I read the story, I, I marvel at it. Because these shepherds who were tending these little lambs and providing these lambs for sacrifice are the ones that God calls out to see the final Lamb of God, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world once and for all. Isn't that cool? And more than that, it's not to the high priests that the angels appear, it's to the shepherds. That would be like God showing up in Rome and saying, you know, we got, we got very important information we got to pass on. Who should, we, who should we speak to? And the angels would say, well, surely the Pope. Surely the cardinals. And God says, no, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll bring this message to the street cleaners, to the garbage men. That's, my friends, how significant this is. God wants us to know his presence and to enjoy his presence and to bask in his presence. The question is that today is, are you experiencing the presence of God? These shepherds teach us how to come into the presence of God and how to enjoy his presence. Remember, the presence of God means that profound sense of peace in your heart, total contentment, of joy, and of great love. So here's what I know. I know that God is calling every one of us into his presence to enjoy him. The great catechism of 500 years ago begins by saying that the chief end of man is to love God and to enjoy him forever. Can I ask you if that's what's happening in your life? Are you enjoying God? Because that's what God wants for you. He wants you to enjoy relationship with him. He wants you to be connected. He wants you to know all about that peace, all about that contentment, all about that joy that puts a smile on your face. Taryn was talking to me this week about somebody who, um, I don't think they're from this church, I can't remember exactly who it was, but her description of them stuck in my 
uh, my mind. She said, it seems like they've been baptized in sulfuric acid. <laughs> I, I like that description. Because that's, frankly, how many of us come across. Too often we tell people, we're, oh yeah, we're Christians, we go to church. But meanwhile, we're just mean and miserable and no smile on their face. How do I know whether you've been in the presence of God and how do you know if you're in the presence of God and if you're enjoying his presence? Well, folks, there's a change in you, a change that overcomes you. Let's take again, take another look again at these shepherds. So here's the, the shepherds being called by God. And, and here's what God's going to do for all of us, and he's going to be doing it this morning. So I'm just warning you right now, God's going to be tapping on your shoulder. He's going to be tapping you in your heart. He's going to be calling you by name. He's going to be calling you into his presence. You say, well, Pastor, how do I know if God's calling me? Well, we look at these angels, and these angels say to the shepherds, come, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We're bringing you some, some good news. We're, we want to tell you about a Savior. We want to tell you how you can find him. We want to tell you how you can get into his presence. Remember, that's what this is about. These shepherds who are in the field, minding their own business, suddenly have a visitation from God because God wants them to experience him. God doesn't want anybody left out. And so what does he do? He goes to the lowest of the low, the ones you would think would not be able to experience his presence, and he tells the shepherds what they need to do, where they need to go, and how they will find Jesus. Very, very clear, very specific instructions and directions on how to get into the presence of God. And I'm going to tell you this morning how you're going to do that. How you can get back to that place where you're experiencing that sweet communion with God. But before we do that, I need to show you the ways that God calls you. What does God have to do to get your attention? For the shepherds, it was, a, it was the, literally the army of heaven, the angel hosts that appear. That's how God got their attention. With Moses, God got his attention through a burning bush. Remember that? And for Jonah, we all know the story of Jonah, a storm and then a big fish, and Jonah is in the belly of the whale, and do you think that God had Jonah's attention? <laughs> smells like fish. <laughs> in fact, it smells like I'm in a fish. <laughs> okay, God, you officially have my attention. What does God need to do to you? For young Samuel, remember young Samuel? His mother Hannah presented him to the Lord and said, God, this is my son. Take him and use him for your glory and honor. And it was in the night, and young Samuel hears a voice. And several times he hears the voice, and he keeps going to Eli and saying, did you call me? And Eli says, no, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep and stop bugging me. I'm paraphrasing a bit. And here's the voice again, gets up and runs to Eli. Eli, what is it? What, what do you want? I'm not calling you. Go back to sleep. And don't eat pizza before you go to sleep anymore. <laughs> and here's it again. Eli realizes it's a voice of God. And Eli says to Samuel, next time you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. For... King Hezekiah, it took an illness for God to get his attention. 
He became ill and flat on his back, and all he can do is order his servants around and talk to God. That's about it. And on his back before God, God gets his attention, and he's reminded of God's will for his life. For the, for the uh, Israelites in the book of Judges, God constantly has to get their attention because they keep forgetting God and they keep doing what seems right in their own eyes. And these poor people get to the place where they're financially ruined. They own nothing. They have nothing. In fact, the book of Judges says they're hiding in caves because the Midianites have oppressed them so much. What happened? These people are called the people of God, the children of God, God's chosen people. And there they are in a cave saying, God, I thought we were your chosen people. Could you choose somebody else next time? And God gets their attention. And they find themselves finally, finally crying out to God, finally getting into the presence of Almighty God and hearing his voice. And then and only then do they find the salvation they're looking for. Anybody ever hear of Paul, the apostle? What a lot of people don't know about him is that before he was the great apostle who, who won the world to Christ and planted churches all over the world at that time, that first he was Saul. Saul, the persecutor of the church. And God had to blind him, knock him on his backside, blinded, hopeless, and helpless. And Jesus says to him, what are you doing, Saul? Really, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me like this? God gets our attention in, in many different ways, doesn't he? Sometimes he gets our attention by bringing success and blessing to our friends or to other people. And we say, God, hey, I'm the Christian. Have you forgotten about me? God, I'm the one that goes to church every Sunday. I'm the one that ties. And God gets our attention. How's he getting your attention today? Sometimes it takes an illness. Sometimes it means getting, becoming sick, tired, fragile. So busy about doing our thing. Busy, 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 forgetting all about God. We don't have the love in our life. We don't have the joy in our life. We don't have the peace in our life. But we're serving God. And don't get in my way as I do it. Sometimes it takes the illness of a loved one. Sometimes it means we're financially strapped and God's tapping on our shoulder trying to get our attention. Sometimes it means a storm in your life. Some of you remember me telling the story about that year or six months, almost, almost a year, that I was the interim pastor at Charleswood Temple, which is now Grace Community Church. And I'm telling you, that was one heavy load. And I found myself so busy, busy, busy doing church stuff and preparing sermons and visiting people who are sick and, and taking care of the building and on and on and on and on and, and getting really, really stressed out. So stressed out that God was becoming just sort of a small little part of my daily life. I don't mind admitting that to you because I know that you have experienced and maybe are experiencing even now that same thing. And I'm driving along the highway and 
not even aware, not listening to the weather, listening to the news because I got so much on my mind. And here I am on, on the perimeter between Portage and Roblin, and it's sheer ice. I don't know if you've ever been on the perimeter when it's sheer ice, but you know that you're not really driving. You're just sort of moving in a direction. And then all of a sudden, my, my wheel just turned slightly, and my car just started in a spin. Like a ballet, you know, a ballet just... I'm spinning around here, and I'm thinking, God, where am I, and where am I going, what's on? And then the next thing you know, my bumper clipped a cruiser car, the RCMP. <laughs> and there I am, bumperless, front end shot. And if that were not bad enough, just about a week later, uh, by the way, what do you do with a bumper when it falls off? Well, you just stick it in the snow so you know where your parking spot is, right? Yeah. <laughs> just like days later, I'm coming, I'm, again, my mind is preoccupied, busy, got things to do, places to go, people to see, get out of my way, I've got things, and, and then I'm, I'm coming, coming from the back lane across the street and not paying attention because I'm just, you know, in another world. <laughs> And this guy comes along, clips off my back bumper. <laughs> so I'm truly and clearly bumperless. And you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm a guy in my mid twenties, and I and you know, exchanged information. I got back in my car and I started to cry, like a girl, <laughs> or a very emotional man. <laughs> and uh, I said, God, what's going on? What's, what's happening here? How could you allow this to happen to me? I, I look at what I'm doing for you, God. Do you see what I'm doing? I'm, I'm a youth pastor, and I'm acting as a senior pastor and a young adult pastor, and I'm taking care of the Sunday school. I'm taking care of the building because we didn't have a building. Nobody taking care of the building. I'm, I'm doing everything, God, and, and where are you? You should be taking care of me. You shouldn't be letting this kind of thing happen. There should be angels camped around me and protecting me. There should be like a, a force field around me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Get, get, God, get that force field up and protect me. And there I am, pulling into my parking stall and putting the other bumper in the snowbank in front of my car. And God speaks to me. And he reminds me that more important than anything I do is enjoying his presence, coming into his presence and hearing his voice. That was a turning point for me. And I'll tell you in just a moment what I, what I did as a turning point. Folks, what does it take for God to get your attention? And here we are facing the Christmas season. You're busy, and you're spending money, and you're racking up debt on your credit cards, right? <laughs> and and, and you're, you're trying to get the baking done, and you've got presents to buy, and there's Christmas concerts to go to. And if the pastor didn't know we were busy enough, he puts on a Christmas production. For two nights, not even one night. And busy, busy, busy. What does God have to do to get your attention? To take a, take a poke by the Holy Spirit? How many of you know what I'm talking about, that poke of the Holy Spirit? You know what happens to me the most? When I'm driving and when I'm shopping at Superstore. 
and someone's trying to cut in in front of you, and you're saying, you're talking to this guy as if he can hear every word you're saying. The guy in the next car, he can't hear a word you're saying. And where'd you get your driver's license from a crackerjack box? And you know, that kind of talk. And, and get out of the way, and you're driving like a moron. And I'm feeling the Holy Spirit poking me. Alan, you're a, you're a Christian. And you preach sermons every Sunday. <laughs> Sorry, God. And I'm letting everybody in ahead of me now, because I remembered I'm a Christian. And don't get uppity, because I know you're doing the same thing in your own way. In that superstore, how many know there's a conveyor belt? And the, and the cashier's putting the groceries through, and she's got the conveyor belt going, and you have to pack your own groceries? How many do, nobody can pack groceries that fast? And so I got, I've got a loaf of bread that goes through first, and, I, and then cans of beans that are following on this conveyor belt that doesn't know to shut off because there's a loaf of bread at the end of the conveyor belt that now is being squashed by the beans. And I want to yell at the girl, it's, have you never done this before in your life? It's the first time you've ever operated a cash register. But grocery, I, I don't say that, but I'm feeling it, I'm thinking, I'm feeling ticked. And God says, remember, you're a Christian. God's calling, he's poking you. Reminding you of what it means to have his presence, the love, the joy, and the peace. And God reminds me that I don't have to get angry. All I have to do is say to the girl, can you please shut that off? Thank you. And she says, sure, I'm glad to do that, sir. And I'm glad I remembered I'm a Christian, and I'm sure she's glad I remembered I'm a Christian. You see, God wants his presence to go with you wherever you are, whatever you're doing. But the problem with so many of us is that we forget that. And so we find our kids are turned off by the Christianity that we are professing. Our friends say, yeah, he he says he's a Christian. Our neighbors, your neighbors are watching you to see if, in fact, the presence of God is a real thing or not. And I know that God's calling you. He's calling you back to his presence. So here's the thing, folks. What will you do when God calls you? Here's what the shepherds did. The angel host appears and says, "There's a the, the Messiah is born. He's in Bethlehem, and you'll, you'll know him because he's wrapped in strips of cloth and he's lying in a manger. Very clear instructions. And away they go. Now here's the thing that you and I need to understand. The most important thing in your life, the most important thing in your life is the presence of God. His presence going with you. Guiding you, leading you, comforting you, helping you wherever you are and in every relationship you have. Jesus actually sets for us an example. Jesus is starting out his ministry. We read in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1. And he's, he's, uh, 
he's busy. He's overwhelmed. I mean, he's just been baptized in the Jordan. He's just gone through his, his testing in the wilderness. He overcomes temptation. He's preaching sermons and raising people from the dead, and he's healing people and, and delivering people of demons, and he just gets word that John the Baptist has now just been murdered and beheaded. He's a busy man. Casting out more demons and healing more people. I mean, he is literally swamped by the demands of life. I don't think there's anybody here today that would say, well, yeah, I'm just as busy as Jesus. I mean, the Bible says they're showing up on his doorstep. He's, he can't leave the house because he's literally surrounded. Busy, busy, busy. And so, so tired. And what does he do? Look what it says here in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 37. It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And later Simon and the others went out to find him. They couldn't find him. And when they did find him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Now Jesus teaches us, as, as do the shepherds, they teach us how to get back into the presence of God, how to enjoy his presence, where there's that, that, that sense of peace, of serenity, of joy, and of his love. He shows us how to get into his presence. The very first thing we recognize is, folks, listen, listen to this. You're going to have to learn how to be proactive rather than reactive when it comes to the things of God. Because here's what I know every one of us does. The minute we get into trouble, what do we do? We say, oh, God, help. That's about the only time we do talk to God is when we find ourselves in trouble or when we find ourselves short, there's not enough money in the bank, or our kids are talking back and, and we're stressed out by work and, and our spouse is driving us nuts and, 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 and on and on it goes. Jesus doesn't wait until he's stressed out to the point of having a nervous breakdown. He shows us what to do when life is overwhelming and it says before daybreak the next morning. Rather than reacting to a situation, he's proactive and he gets alone with God. Now, here's what you and I need to do. You and I need to learn to think of a place and a time when we can get alone with God because if you don't schedule it in, it's not gonna happen. If you don't take the time to figure out when and where you're gonna have this meeting with God, it just is not going to happen. For Jesus, he had a time and a place picked out. I love the shepherds, what they did. They just said, let's go. No discussion. <laughs> no debate. Should we or shouldn't we go and meet with this newborn king, our Messiah, the Savior of the world? Should we or shouldn't we? Now, even as I say that, it sounds utterly ridiculous. Because if you just got news from the angel of heaven, the angels of heaven, that a king is born and that you could go and see him and be in his presence, and, and if you heard them say then, well, now, I don't know if we should or shouldn't. You'd say, well, don't be stupid. Go. This is your opportunity. Well, guess what, folks? I don't look like, the, like an angel or like the angel hosts, but I'm here to tell you exactly the same thing that the angel said to the shepherds. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is waiting for you. He's waiting for you. The question is this, are you going to go? 
Are you going to take the time? Are you going to find the opportunity? Because I can tell you this, if you're not experiencing the presence of God, you can. What you've got to do is you've got to just say, okay, we're going to do this. This is going to be part of my life. This is what I'm going to do on a daily basis. And by the way, can I just say this? Because I know some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, I read my daily bread every day. Yeah, what, in three minutes? And it's like, that's, that's over with. I can eat my eggs and toast now. Listen, listen, listen. You and I need to learn what it means to wait in the presence of God. Because here's what the Spirit of God is saying to every one of us, and it's a scripture verse that you recognize from the psalm. He's saying, be still. Be still and know that I am God. And some of us, when we, t- we say, God, I'm going to take time to sp- spend some time with you, it's like over breakfast and the newspaper's sitting there, you can see J- CJOB is on complaining about something, you know, and, and you've got the kids are roaming around, and someone's screaming for toilet paper, and who is up all the hot water? You know, you know the, the, the drill. And God's saying, you can have my presence. You can enjoy my presence. You can bask in my presence. But you're going to have to take it a little bit more seriously than this. Jesus was proactive. He didn't wait for a breakdown. He didn't wait for mental, mental distress. We don't find, how many know that Jesus never phoned in sick? I'm sorry, not healing today. <laughs> I'm feeling a little under the weather. I won't be in. I love that Vicks commercial. The father says, Dave, uh, I won't be in today. And then camera pans over to a little boy in a crib. <laughs> and then the, I love the punchline. Dads don't, don't call in sick. Here's the good news. Jesus doesn't call in sick either. And you can have the presence of God anytime, anyplace, anywhere, as long as you're proactive and you're not reacting and saying, God, my life is a mess. Help. Now, God does hear those prayers, by the way, and he will help you. But God wants you to learn what it means to live not reactively, but proactively where you're ahead of the game. You're ahead of the challenge. You're ahead of the problems, of the struggles that life throws at you. So that after you've been in the presence of God, you're saying, bring it on. Bring it on. Because God and I are a majority. We can do anything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Well, before you quote that scripture verse, folks, you better get into the presence of God. And here's Jesus goes off to an isolated place to pray like that. So isolated that it says in verse 36 that later Simon and the others went out to find him. They couldn't find him anywhere. Folks, you're going to have to escape. You're going to have to hide. You're going to have to get away and be alone with God so that you can meet with him. Like these shepherds, it actually starts out verse 8 of chapter 2. That, that that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks, guarding their flocks. And suddenly something even more important than their sheep come along. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart here. Because I know, I know that I know because I experience the same thing. There's all sorts of things that present themselves to you in life that seem more important than your time with God. 
if these shepherds could leave their sheep behind that the Bible says they were guarding, leave them behind and go and flee to the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, how much more should you and I be in the habit of leaving everything behind because Jesus is the most important person in your life? I know there's a special blessing waiting for you if you're willing to do that. You gotta escape. You know, Susanna Wesley, you've heard me tell this before. Susanna Wesley, one of the great, one of my great heroes, a wonderful, godly woman, raised two of the most godly leaders in the history of Christianity. His, her household full of kids. And then finally she'd say, Okay, kids, I'm going to meet with God. Now remember, we're not talking about a house that's 3,000 square feet with a private chapel. We're talking probably two two room house with 11 kids. And what does she do to escape? She just takes her apron, puts it over her head. She looks ridiculous. But her kids know, when mom has got the apron over her head, you better shut up. Because there's only one thing that matters. And that's that mom meets with God. What are you doing to escape? How are you getting alone with God? You know what I do? I sometimes carry my, well, I always carry earplugs with me in my briefcase. Because if I have a chance just to to shut down and be alone with God, earplugs in or earbuds in, and I just am alone with God. You know, my whole Christian life, I've tried to not just take time to do my devotions, but times just to get alone and away with God. I started as a youth, when I was a youth pastor. After my bumper episodes, where I lost my bumpers, I said, God, I can't live like this. And so someone in our congregation had a cabin. And they said, Pastor, you can use that cabin anytime you want. And I said, great, I'm going to do that. And I showed up at the cabin, found out there was no toilet, uh, no running water, but there was electricity. So one out of three, hallelujah. So there I am, heating up snow, so I have some water to drink, or something to drink. I got my, my cookies and you know, other things that you would take on a little devotional time. And folks, listen to this. This became my, became my pattern for all the years I was at that church. Every Monday, I'd go and be alone with God. No telephones. Nobody can reach me. I've escaped alone with God. And now what I do, I, that cabin's not there anymore. Now what I do is I try to get to St. Benedict's once in a while, just to get alone with God. What are you doing to escape and get yourself aligned with God, because I'm telling you, the demands and, the, and the, the, the things that draw you or try to get your attention and draw you away from God are, are multitude. Jesus escaped. And then what did he do once he's escaped? Now, here's a point. Here's the thing that really intimidates most people. He escaped to pray. We're afraid to pray. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray. Can I just say this to everybody right now? And this is what you've got to learn how to do. What God, is wanting, what God is calling you to do, what God wants you to do, is he just wants you to talk to him. He wants you to pour out your heart to him. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him how you're feeling. And he wants you just to be quiet in his presence and allow him to speak to you. How many know how important it is that when you go to do your devotions, you turn your phone off. And you turn your TV off. And you turn off the radio. And you turn your computer off. 
How many know that it's rude when you're talking to somebody to be texting or updating your Facebook profile? Could you imagine if the shepherds came to little Jesus in the manger and said, hey, Mary and Joseph, we just had amazing... Oh, just a minute, I got a text. God is calling you just to shut everything down. I just read somewhere recently that Steve Jobs, before he died, was asked, do your kids each have their own iPad, their own tablet? He goes, oh, no, they don't, they don't own one. They don't have one. In fact, we don't let our kids use technology. That's Steve Jobs, folks? Apple? Mac? No. Because we believe that it could be injurious to them. Wow. Now, how many of us are missing out on the presence of God because we're so distracted by all the things in our life and God's saying, shut it all down and get alone with God so that you can share what's in your heart and so that God can tell you what's in his heart. Now, here's the money-back guarantee, folks. If you will do what I'm telling you to do, be proactive, get alone with God, escape from everything and everyone, and then just start pouring out your heart to God and then listening to the voice of God. Here's what, here's what I'm guaranteeing. I'm guaranteeing that all that stress will s- silently and quietly slip away. All of those problems, those difficulties that you don't have answers for, suddenly the answers will come to you. All the hopelessness that you may feel in your heart will all s- slip away. And God will start giving you that that courage, that strength, that power that you've been longing for. But it's not going to come unless you get into the presence of Almighty God. That's what Christmas is about. Emmanuel, God with us. Walking you through every day, moment by moment. Because he loves you. Chris, could you come to the piano? I want, to, I want us to just close with a song. Oh, come let us adore him. As Chris comes, I just want to read to you one more verse. In Luke chapter 2, verse 20. Now, this is after the shepherds were in the presence of God. Listen to this. Don't move, please. Listen. After the shepherds were in the presence of God, it says the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them.